Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. $2.6 million. That's the latest estimate of how many salmon died in that environmental catastrophe in Fortune Bay. It's a developing story. I'm recording this on Sunday, October 13th, after major developments this past Friday. Later in the program, we'll be speaking with NDP Fishers critic Jim Din, who's been calling for an independent inquiry into the die-off at the Northern Harvest operation on the South Coast. But first, a bit about the Mingba angle on this story. To state the obvious, salmon are a traditional Mi'kmaq food. Sea-based aquaculture endanger wild salmon. But there's more to the Mi'kmaq angle than that. Last month, at almost the same time as we were finding out about the Northern Harvest disaster, Fisheries Minister Jerry Byrne was announcing new aquaculture guidelines at an industry conference in St. John's. Guidelines that critics say maintain the same lax regulations that led to the Northern Harvest disaster. But there was a statement in the official announcement that we found puzzling. It stated that the guidelines are the result of a process that engaged Indigenous governments and organizations. What Indigenous governments and organizations, we wondered. Mi'kmaq Matters never misses a Halibut Council meeting, and there's been no mention there of engagement on aquaculture, though recently a Halibut band member made a plea for the band to take a stand against sea-based aquaculture. Halibut has remained silent. Meanwhile, Meobigag First Nation has a commercial relationship with Northern Harvest, providing services for the aquaculture operation. So we asked the Fisheries Department what engagement took place, and here's what they told us. The five Indigenous governments in the province were offered an opportunity to provide feedback within 30 days. It appears only one responded. There was a face-to-face meeting with Meobigag on September 3rd, a mere three weeks before the guidelines were introduced. And that was it for the engagement. On aquaculture, as on other natural resource projects, our two Mi'kmaq First Nations have been missing in action. Nary a contrary word from them. And that suits the province just fine. But ordinary Mi'kmaq people, the public, and the news media have had lots of questions. And the environmental catastrophe has turned into a PR disaster for the government and for flat-footed fisheries minister Jerry Byrne. Questions remain about who knew what and when about the extent of the die-off and why the public was kept in the dark. But rather than provide information, Byrne personally attacks those who express concern about the environmental fallout, among his targets a Mun professor and NDP fisheries critic Jim Din. Jim Din is our guest this week. He asks whether sea-based aquaculture is worth the risk to other fisheries, 
such as lobster and cod, which employ many more people. Note that this interview was recorded before Jerry Byrne announced he would ask the Marine Institute to conduct an investigation. Jim Din says the Marine Institute would not be arm's length enough. I asked Jim Din what questions he wants answered in an independent inquiry. Well, Glenn, there have been, if anything else, one thing uh, over these, this last month, an awful lot of unanswered questions, questions that, uh, that as to what happened, including when did this start, who knew about it? What actions were taken to uh, to rectify the matter? If it was if it was known about in uh, uh, you know in August, as we're hearing from some people, why were there no actions taken, or why was there no report of it? Um, also, uh, we've been uh, sort of said that what's going into the ocean now, the effluent, um, is not harmful. Uh, yet I've heard I've had reports of people who've been on the uh, uh, on some of the boats there that's been nine as uh, much as nine fathoms of gurry below the boat, uh, almost like a solid mass. So, to me, it's important now to uh, get a clear answer. We've heard the industry, we've heard the uh, um, uh, the minister, and uh, really, uh, I'm not confident in the answers of uh, and a lot of people are not confident in the answers we're getting. So, it's uh, maybe what we need is an independent inquiry here that will look at all the operational and environmental factors, as I said in the letter, to assess the veracity of the company's claim that it was simply related to water temperature, to look at the timeline, to analyze the impact on the marine environment and wall species that are there, uh, to what is the impact on the, uh, uh, the economic impact, and most importantly, to make recommendations that this event, kind of an event is unlikely or not going to happen again. Mm. Now, the minister, uh, Jerry Byrne, uh, compares the, the public attention to the, uh, to the die-off uh, like the emotive reaction to the seal hunt and says, uh, you know, I guess people are getting all uh, uh, hot and bothered, but uh, we have to be concerned about the jobs on the South Coast. Well, you know, he talks about a lot of personalization, and in that comment, he's done that very same thing. Basically, he's personalized it with, with regards to the uh, to the media covering it, uh, and yet uh, he identifies that testing is underway, that there is a uh, uh, being done. Yet he has he, he has offered no information to back up the claim that it's not harmful. Uh, He's no proof or scientific evidence for that. Most importantly, he's also said we need to dig into it. We need to find the answers. Well, here's an opportunity being that we're proposing right out of the bat. Let's set up that independent inquiry to get all the answers, and not just the answers that either the, uh, the aquaculture industry wants us to have or that Minister Byrne wants us to have. Let's find out what the uh, answers are. And then I believe, in the end, not only recommendations make uh, sure that this doesn't happen again, but if people are culpable that appropriate consequences be assigned. Mm. Now, coincidentally, when we heard about this die-off, uh, Minister Byrne was at an aquaculture okay. conference down in, uh, in St. John's, and uh, he announced uh, changes in the provincial uh, guidelines in aquaculture. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure to what extent. I, I know that uh, they uh, mention uh, more requirements for disclosure of such incidents, but uh, do you have an idea whether the the new guidelines he announced respond to the concerns you're raising? Well, actually, that uh, that's a very good question because for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, 
the the guidelines as we see them uh, seem to be more about around communications, which is not going to help prevent the uh, this from happening again. Minister Byrne also talked about a consultation process. Uh, we're not sure how this consultation process took place, how he arrived at these, uh, because I, I can tell you I've been speaking to people with the, in the NLCAR or the, uh, the Newfoundland Coalition for Agriculture Reform and a number of other Samonid conservation groups and organizations who were not consulted. So where did he come up with uh, the recommendations? Who made the recommendations? I, uh, one of the things that the NDP was calling for leading up to this was a, to do a complete review of the um, uh, of the aquaculture regulations and legislation in Newfoundland. If you look at the regulations, it's a pretty thin document. So we, we just don't want policy changes, as Minister Byrne was suggesting in uh, some of his comments. We want to put into uh, the legislation, put it into regulations, not just around communication, but also about codes of containment, about penalties and everything else, and make it actionable. You know, all you need to do is compare uh, the the, uh, the regulations uh, on our books to those in Nova Scotia, and you'll see there is uh, that Nova Scotia is uh, t tend to be is a lot more robust. Mm. So that's what we're looking for. How, how about the issue of uh, one of the issues seems to be the density of these uh, smolts in the in these uh, pens? Is that um, do you think that would be part of uh, a revised uh, regulations or should be? Well, and that's part of what we why we want the investigation as well. Like, how dense were the fish in this? We don't. We, uh, we still don't have a, a number. Were they so dense that the fish could not move up and down in the water column? Uh, as I've heard, the reports that the uh, the weight of the dead fish were so great that it actually allowed uh, other salmon to escape over the top. So we've now got diploids, uh, fish that are able to interbreed with wild fish, and that's just going to further harm the wild stock. So there are a lot of. To me, that's an awful a lot about it, an awful lot of the unanswered questions that we need. To my point, uh, one of the things that the NDP has been put, uh, putting forward is the notion of a land-based, closed containment land-based agriculture system where, you know what, it would eliminate the need to treat um, uh, sea lice. It would also, it could be temperature controlled. Uh, regardless, in the end, uh, we need some sort of a closed containment system where we would have better control over those factors and uh, prevent, really, it's a tragic loss of, uh, of food as well and, uh, and uh, of a resource, right? That I, it's horrendous. But we've heard about uh, land base that on the Newfoundland scale, it's not economically viable to have a land base uh, system. So uh, in calling for a land-based system, are you, in effect, calling for an end of the aquaculture industry in Newfoundland? Okay. I'm going to look at that from two, a couple of points of view. I've heard that basically they said Newfoundland is so far removed from the uh, like transportation. Yet, here's the thing. There are plenty of other open sea pen aquaculture farms in the world, much closer to the markets okay, than Newfoundland, if, if that's the argument. That's the first thing. Uh, so why is it that uh, that uh, these are viable? That uh, that uh, you know aquaculture farms are, are viable here? If that's the case, because it should be the same, the same factors. Yet we can look at the regulations. If the regulations are uh, much more lax, if there are more loopholes in it, if you don't have, if you can ship out the fish head on gutted as most of the fish is, you don't ha and, and it's processed elsewhere. You cut down your costs this way. So 
my point is that I believe the reason why even open sea pen aquaculture is uh, is, uh, is being is able to survive here is because the regulations uh, uh, are so lax that government that companies don't have to uh, they, they can do it cheaply. That's what it comes down to. Secondly, if you look at when I and I've atten I attended the the NIA uh, the uh, Newfoundland Aquaculture Industry Association conference that they had on cleaner fish, I'm looking at the amount of technology that goes into treating uh, the uh, into uh, using cleaner fish to treat sea lice into the use of therapeutics and to use of antibiotics and everything else. And I've got to wonder uh, that, you know, such a large part of the cost has got to be um, in, in, uh, in treating the, these parasites um, in the fish. So that would be a cost you wouldn't have on land. Secondly, whilst people are not factoring into this, what is the cost to the environment of what just happened? Put a number on that. No one has put a number on that. What is the put a cost on the on the destruction of wild Atlantic salmon stocks? We know that where aquaculture, open sea pen aquaculture takes place, wild Atlantic salmon stocks take a dive. No one has factored any of that into it. If you want to put a cost-benefit analysis into it, I think you've got to factor these into it, things into it. And maybe what we're going to find in the long run. Is that uh, that the difference between land-based and uh, sea-based agriculture is not going to be that much of a difference? But the short answer to your question, I think we need to move. Uh, we start need to look at uh, moving towards land-based or closed containment sooner rather than later. Now, I've heard that technologies that there is you can have uh, looked at some reading on closed containment at sea. Whatever it is, the fact is this method of farming is causing more environmental damage than, than the economic benefits warrant. Mm. Now, part of what you say there is that the, the low uh, regulations, the lax regulatory system in, in the province is part of the business model that yeah. attracts uh, companies to Newfoundland. Um, and I, I think we've, uh, not to digress, but I think we've seen that in other natural resource sectors in, in the province also, uh, mining, for example. But leaving that mm -hmm. aside, what do you say to people on the south coast? I mean, these are communities where there are not many jobs and these aquaculture jobs keep these communities uh, alive to some extent and without the jobs um, perhaps these communities would, would have nothing. So what do you tell people who are dependent on these jobs? Okay, with regards to that two things, what do you say to the uh, to the uh, wild fish harvesters whose livelihood depends on it as well? That's the first thing. Secondly, the industry, as we've seen in the way it's going right now, I don't see how this is sustainable. Uh, we, we, uh, we've heard very clearly uh, from uh, the, the residents there that you know the, the biggest concern now, uh, largest concern, and rightfully so, is about how are we going. Uh, you know, uh, they, they've just watched paychecks, their 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 living going up, and you know, being dumped over the side of a boat, basically. So how do you make sure that this doesn't happen? And what, I, what we're proposing is how do we make this more sustainable so that these die -off, large die-offs like this don't happen, they do not destroy the, uh, the uh, wild, uh, the marine habit, the marine environment, they don't impact the wild, uh, the, the Atlant wild Atlantic salmon stocks, they don't impact or minimize the impact on uh, the, the uh, fish harvesters and make ensure that, the, uh, and that, that those who uh, are processing fish are... Um, are, are, are protecting. They have a sustainable, uh, a sustainable employment. 
but the other thing here, Glenn, is that a lot of the fish my gather are are shipped out head on and got a minimal processing. So most of the processing the processing takes place, as I understand it, in New Brunswick and even in Maine. Uh, if this is the case, it seems that other people uh, outside of this province, province are benefiting most from uh, this resource. So uh, when we're talking about economic sustainability, I would like to see a model where we can uh, we can maximize the processing here within the province and also uh, and creating maximum the maximum number of jobs. Uh, of good paying jobs and also uh, one that protects the environment and make sure that uh, that disasters like this never happen again. Mm. You raise a, a point about the, the fishery as a whole and one set of numbers I saw is that there are 16,000 jobs in the province related to the fishery, only 400 of them in aquaculture. So <laughs> it may be that we're, we're sacrificing uh, a large part of the, the other fishing industry for these few hundred jobs in aquaculture. So that seems to be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a bad bargain there. I would say, yeah, and I, I when you look at the imbalance, uh, and uh, I know the industry is fond of uh, a multiple, using the multiplier effect of looking at uh, how many other jobs are involved with, uh, um, uh, with uh, you know, trucking and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, and the, and the processing jobs, minimal number. I'd say there's probably more money being made by uh, uh, by PR companies producing the slick ads uh, than there are uh, to the communities themselves. So I think there's, if we're to grow this industry, how do you do this without destroying the uh, the the wild uh, wild fishery that has sustained this province long before uh, long before any of this uh, this happened? So I think you know, uh, let's do it smarter. And I'd like to see the minister uh, take some leadership here, get the answers, and actually take uh, show some leadership and take some definitive action. Uh, to make sure that these companies, this is not the wild, that this, these companies don't have the idea that this is the wild west of a, of a salmon, open sea pen aquaculture, you know, finfish farming, and, uh, and do something to rectify it. Jim Din, NDP Fisheries Critic and MHA for St. John's Center. Mi'kmaq Matters reached out to Fisheries Minister Jerry Byrne and to the Newfoundland and Labrador Aquaculture Industry Association but neither would make themselves available for an interview. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Meopikeg, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Till next time.